Welcome, everybody, into another pod. John, we're talking basketball, your Cayman Island Classic champs. K-State Wildcats. We're basketball school now, guys. Look at us. Atop of the Big 12. I mean, we might as well just call it now and put up the banner. Uh, Yeah, just just put up the banner. Uh, well, surely those guys down the road will, will be fine with it. They got plenty. Uh, I I mean, you want to talk about putting the L in LSU, uh, the way that that game ended, uh, was just a complete L for LSU, uh, mainly just, just a lot of controversial stuff with the clock management. Uh, but nonetheless, this team just continues to amaze us, man. I mean, we were down by as many as 12 in the next thing you know. I mean, they just they just continue to keep on fighting, digging their way back up and just keeping themselves in the contest. And the next thing you know, they just they just uh, eventually take the lead. And I mean, they just fi- find every way to do it. Yeah, uh, before we get any further, make sure you follow us on Twitter, JacobLake785, leave a review for listening on Apple Podcasts. Uh, make sure you listen to our interview with Austin Eckert previewing KU football. I'll just release it as like a, a separate pod. So make sure to listen to that if you haven't already. Um, you mentioned some of the clock management issues that not like how K-State managed the clock, but the actual clock operator pushing start. Um, let's just talk about kind of this tournament in general. Um, let's just say, I hope we never go back here. Um, let's just start John Gray gymnasium, uh, looks like your local YMCA, uh, just like your basic bleacher seats. Uh, it didn't look like it was a cool, I mean, like it wasn't a great play gym to play in. Um, and then like the broadcast, good, good Lord. I mean, for those that did watch the broadcast either, you know, from, uh, Greg Hauser's live stream on Twitch, which, you know, God bless him for that. Or you actually paid the $30 on flow hoops to watch this monstrosity. I mean, Holy cow. I mean, the score bug was just a little thing for the first two days. It didn't have the quarter or the halves or the shot clock and the logos for the teams just looked horrible. Mm. And uh, there's just a whole slew of other problems. Uh, it's just, I mean, in the, in the commentators, like, I mean, I understand, like, you can praise K-State and Jerome Tang how much you want. Like, I'm completely fine with that. But on the first day when K-State was playing Rhode Island, there was a lot of favoritism towards K-State. Like, my God. (laughs) They just could not stop talking about us. And they, like, they barely mentioned Rhode Island at all. I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's just, it it was just poorly managed. Of course, we didn't have a score bug for the first part of the, for the K-State Rhode Island game. I mean, of course, this is coming from flow sports as well. So, I mean, you're, you're expecting literally nothing from them. Um, Just with the production. I mean, they, they had to cut to like, uh, like cut to their logo for a few minutes. since like, it was the signals weren't working and all that. They, the connections just weren't weren't there. It was just a complete god uh, mess all around. I'm so glad. I I mean no. Well, this is, but the last two times we won a preseason tournament, we weren't able to watch this on our on our like any television or cable or even like streaming through ESPN Plus. It's just been awful going through this crap show known as Flow Sports. But 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. Having after, after, now that this tournament is over, I've seen way too many Cayman Island commercials and whatever Tortuga wine or whatever that is. I don't want to ever see those ads ever again. And they would just play 10 minutes of ads during halftime. And then there's a bunch of little stuff that like is inconsequential, but just like be, you know, having working in a broadcast and seeing the stuff that we pay attention to and we make sure we get right that they just don't care at all that they get it right is really annoying. But uh, anyway, let's, let's get off our soapbox here and actually talk some basketball. Um, I mean, it's our first in season tournament win since the 2018 paradise jam. We're six and zero for the first time since the 2018, 19 season. I mean, we know what happened in that season. Um, Marquise Noel was the MVP. Keontae Johnson was on the all tournament team. Um, just, I mean, we don't have to talk about the Rhode Island game. We were just more talented than them. Naquan Tomlin had a hell of a game. We were just more talented. Um, this Nevada game. I mean, oh my goodness. What a game. Um, you, I mean, you got to talk about, first of all, Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson, absolutely just putting the team on their back, especially Marquise Noel, those last few minutes into overtime. I mean, 29 and 28 points from Noel and, uh, Johnson respectively, just an unbelievable performance. Marquise Noel's the fifth player in school history to have a 20 and 10 game. Um, so, I mean, we're just, this team, as you said, this team just continues to amaze me. And that was a hell of a game to go to overtime and win like that. Just unbelievable. And it wasn't really a defensive battle by at all. Both squads made 22 free throws. Uh, K-State was eight of 17 from deep. Nevada was nine of 22. Casey just put up more shots at the end than Nevada as well. So I thought, I mean, I thought Nevada is is a pretty good Mountain West team. You know, a few years back, Eric Musselman, the, head, the current head coach of Arkansas, he had Nevada basketball at its peak, uh, like as far as high as a seven or six seed, uh, falling back a little bit. But I mean, they, they are still a quality mid-major and really probably the first time well definitely the first time Casey was truly battle tested I mean you can point and uh point at the Cal game but since that game Cal has just completely collapsed uh division three school in disguise but Nevada is a Nevada's a serviceable matchup like really get the type of matchup that Casey would prepare for before having to deal with another team and and more so another power five team in LSU the next day I was going to think of something else, but I mean, the fact that they played Sandstorm before going to overtime, yeah. I mean, like just the biggest mistake. I mean, the, those poor Wolfpack, they did not deserve that. Also, they did, they, not, they did not play Sandstorm during the LSU game until the end. But anyways, I mean, they should already know when Sandstorm is playing, K-State's winning. I mean, that that's yeah, just the obviously. Yeah, I mean, that game going to overtime was definitely really good for K-State because Nevada had three of their top players in foul trouble, and two of them fouled out pretty early on in overtime. And, uh, I mean, Will Baker was one of them. Who was their big guy? He was giving us trouble the entire night. So it was it was good for him to get, get out of the game for K-State. Yeah, let's go ahead and move on to this LSU game. Um, this is the first – I mean, seeing this game, be us being down, you know, 8 to 10 pretty much the entire game. I just thought, you know, okay, we're being tested here. You know, if we can make a comeback, that'd be great. But, you know, maybe the magic finally is over and we can, you know, finally lose a game and just kind of, you know, learn from that, you know, not expect perfection from this team. 
but holy cow, we freaking did it. We made a comeback. You know, we were, it was 49 41 at one point. We go on an 8 0 run to tie the game. You know, we keep going back and forth. And then, um, you know, with 4.7 seconds left, you know, kind of some madness breaks out. Keontae Johnson tries to go up, it gets uh, blocked. And the Desi Seals gives it back to him. He hits a floater. And keep in mind, like, um, I'm working it the. Was, it was with one second on the shot clock. Yeah. When Keontae Johnson launched the, the final shot as well, I just. I don't know. Continue on, continue on. Yeah, I mean, just to put context for my personal situation, I was working the volleyball game that was going on at the same time, which we'll talk about a little bit later. We had it on on a screen, and I, and I'm, you know, I'm trying to watch the volleyball game, but I'm watching the basketball game, and I see Keontae put up the shot, and I just scream like at him on the top of my lungs, and then, <laughs> and I, I scare our director a little bit, but oh my gosh. <laughs> Like that was just so cool. And then, you know, you talked about it at the beginning of this, but if if you missed it, there's 4.7 seconds left. First of all, they review to see, I think if you got the shot off, then they call, there's like three different timeouts called. It takes like three mm. minutes before we even get the ball into play. And we get the ball into play. Finally, LSU, they drive up, you know, we're trying not to foul. The paint is wide open. You know, LSU makes a layup. They tie the game, you know, as time expires, and we think we're going to overtime. But then, but then we realize, oh, the clock operator took a full like two seconds, maybe once they've inbounded it to start the clock. So they, you know, they, the refs like, you know, time it out and they realize he didn't get the shot off in time. So they call the game. K State wins and just utter chaos. I mean, only in the Caymans, John, only in the Caymans would something like this happen. I'll tell you what, and shout out to Luke Thompson of Bring On the Cats for mentioning this, but uh, I mean, it was egregiously a late start to the game clock, and it was definitely because uh, the person controlling it was was falling asleep during the timeouts. Uh, I mean, that's just the way it is these days. Uh, you'd expect nothing more from any officials, especially from John Higgins. Like what, John Higgins, uh, of all people, to make the trip to the Caymans? Come on. Wait, wait was he... I mean, I don't think he was officiating yesterday, yesterday or the day before. Like, what, what gave him the business to come here just to make us pissed? I don't know. He's um, everywhere, man. He's just everywhere. But the, crazy but bastard. He, along with some of the other officials, they waved off the basket. And seeing the video as well, like, um, seeing the video, John Higgins t- explained to the coaches about the situation, uh, you, you can just see uh, – uh, the disappointment of and uh, uh, what's it? What's his name? McMahon, McMahon. I I don't know, but uh, the LSU coach. Uh, he just like after that, he sh- he stares at Jerome saying kind of disappointingly. He's like, uh, come on, guys, this is just pathetic. I'd be and, pissed. And, yeah, I would no. be livid. I mean, because it's like the LSU player can't know that the clock's been stopped. He's just looking at the clock to see what you know, and he sees he's got a little bit of time. So I mean that's just, and then and then, and then Jerome Tang comes out. Well, like no, nothing like braggish about, it, but he's like, "Oh man, I'm I'm sorry, man." Uh, shake hands to it, and then and then he just starts uh, uh, celebrating with the team. But oh my gosh, I mean, can you imagine having being having to be the official in that situation? I mean, geez, I mean. I mean, just knowing some of that stuff where it could just be like completely like that's going to be the main difference of the game is 
because of some uh, error by the clock management and the officials. Um, but you know what? It is what it is in, in basketball these days. I mean, you're going to just get, get some of these innings that are just completely chaotic. Um, and, you know, we, we saw that tonight. We saw that tonight. But what we also saw tonight is just K-State. I mean, they just never give up. Uh, they, I mean, they may have some uh, problems as well when it comes to the turnovers, uh, free throw accuracy as well. They've gotten a little bit better as time, as time has moved a little bit this year. Uh, but you also got some big plays some from the guys uh, as well. Yeah, so, I mean, what do we learn from this tournament? What can we take away? I think for me personally, um, I kind of underestimated Marquise Noel in the role he would play on this team. I didn't think he would be as much of a leading scorer as he is. I mean, the things he's able to do at his height is just unbelievable. The way he's able to get open and shoot threes, the way he can drive in the paint and finish, he's such an excellent finisher, and he's so quick. It is just unbelievable. I didn't realize he would take this big of a role when we're, you know, when I'm, you think about some of the talent that we're taking in um, from the transfer portal, but he has just been absolutely lights out. He is obviously the leader of this team and a guy that, you know, people go to, we obviously, we knew what Keontae could do and he's shown that, um, you know, in that Nevada game, putting up 28 points and, uh, you know, getting a block and a couple of other things like that. But I just didn't think he would be playing that well. Um, and this team is resilient. I mean, you know, as much as flashy they can be and they could, they're fun to watch, you know, they're more than just, you know, being, you know, controlled chaos and pushing the pace, you know, the, after you got guys playing, you know, 40 minutes in an overtime game, the very next day when you're kind of in a slugfest against LSU and it's a, you know, it's a grinder and pull one out like that. I mean, I think it shows a lot about this team's character. They're going to get some time off before they play their next game. But um, I mean, you this can, things could not have gone better so far this season. Oh, I mean, what if I, if I would have told you a coaching staff who had two players, two players, Right after the the media the first media press conference, uh, if 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 I were told you that case that this whole entire entity of a team is six and zero at this point, I would have told you, all right, that's wishful thinking. Maybe it could happen, but in reality, you you just need you you, you just need help and all, but. Um, my gosh, I, I, I'm just completely stunned. I mean, this team is just not only, well, you mentioned it, they're not only resilient, they handle a lot of adversity, but they just do it in the most fun way possible. They're no longer having to fight so often for so many, for so many of these points. They're just coming out here a lot more fluid, a lot more entertaining, and a little bit, a little bit more ensuring as well that, that, that um there's some issues that can be solved compared to compared to some of the teams that we saw over the past few years that just weren't able to really get things going and and, and again like when it comes to some of the problems what the turnovers um maybe a little bit too aggressive when it comes to fouling players at times uh maybe some of the emotions well uh, with Keontae Johnson uh, as well can get into the way a little bit. I think he had like three technical fouls in this entire tournament. Uh, he was ejected late in the Rhode Island game. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, you just love to see this type of stuff. It just, it's just what makes this team very entertaining. So, um, I mean, where do we go from here? We have seven non-conference games left. 
One of them is Florida, so let's not count that right now. Six games left before we play West Virginia on New Year's Eve at home to start conference play. I mean, John, looking at the schedule here, we got at Butler, Wichita State at home, which I think we should beat Wichita State. You know, yeah, I watched them in the Hall of Fame Classic. I watched them against Alcorn State. I think they're individually very talented players, but they just they don't play like a team at all. But then you've got some cupcakes, Abilene Christian, Incarnate Ward, and then your Nebraska or Nebraska at the T-Mobile Center. I mean, mm-hmm. do you think it's possible for us to run the table here and be? Oh, and then you have Radford. Um, sorry, I forgot about Radford. That's my bad. Um, Almighty Marty Smith, famous alum from Radford University. But with these six games left, John, I mean, do you think it's possible that we could run the table and be 12 and 0 going into New Year's Eve? Well, I think, especially with this Butler matchup coming up, um, you want to talk about one of the more hostile environments in Hangle Fieldhouse, one of the more historical environments, by the way. But if you're able to really get past this matchup in Big 12 Big East Challenge, you look at the rest of these games, you get Wichita State at home, Abilene Christian, Incarnate Word. I mean, those two, those two not named Wichita State should be guaranteed wins. And then on top of that, you get Nebraska, possibly one of the worst Power 5 teams in all of college basketball, too. Not saying that they're bad this year, but uh, history says that, that they pretty much are. So, I mean, it's a legitimate possibility. And when you consider, when you add on to the fact that you just beat probably the highest rated team on in Kimpom on your schedule in LSU. Maybe there could be a slight possibility that if you're able to get past Butler and Wichita State, K-State could be in the con- in somewhat of a contention when it comes to receiving rankings or v- votes for rankings uh, within next week. Um, I mean, it's very possible K-State can uh, go down the stretch hitting in the big, uh, hitting into Big 12 play and defeat it. Yeah, we could pull kind of an Iowa State kind of thing. I mean, Nebraska, I'm just looking at their schedule now. Um, they've got Oklahoma tomorrow, which could should be a decent test for them. And then they've got some they've got some tough games, you know, Creighton, Indiana. Well, but they lost well, by gotta, 20 points to St. John's. Well, you gotta look at Butler's situation as well, because they just got started playing in the battle for Bahamas, the tournament that the KU's in as well. Um, but they just played their their game just tonight. They their, their first game tonight. They just lost to Tennessee seventy one to forty five. Um, and so I don't know if that's going to tell you all that much. The next thing you know, you got BYU tomorrow. We'll see how they do. But I mean, not seeing too many good things so far about Butler either. So it is a legitimate possibility that K State can can get out of the stretch. Unscathed. You also have a loss to uh, well from Butler six. You also have a loss to Penn State uh, down in Happy Valley as well. Yeah, I mean you mentioned all those things, but obviously it's a totally different environment. You know, situation when Butler is playing at Hinkle Fieldhouse, so they're going to have a big advantage there. Um, which I mean that'll be a huge test for Coach Tang and the boys. But I mean I think it's a real possibility to be twelve and zero. Um, you know, maybe if you're 11 and one, you still take that. I mean, obviously nobody would expect 11 and one going into new year's Eve and then, you know, conference play. We'll talk about conference play when we get there. Cause that's a whole other can of worms and, you know, yeah. our expectations, you know, against some of these teams are going to be a lot different. Um, but I mean, things are looking up right now as a K state fan in all aspects. Um, so it's really exciting. I can't wait to see what happens going forward. Um, before we get to volleyball, and we'll talk about what women's basketball has got going up coming up next as well. 
Um, let's talk a little bit. Let's just go around the Big 12 real quick, John. Just talk about some games that are happening. Um, the first one on Friday, Baylor, Texas. Obviously, we're all Baylor fans here. Um, if yep, Baylor beats we Texas, um, we're going to the Big 12 title game no matter what. But, um, I mean, it, Texas is at home. They're probably going to be hungry for a win. Um, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to trust Baylor. We just need to take care of business ourselves. Yeah. I mean, it's just been a few weird weeks for Baylor and you get annihilated by K state, uh, like 31 to three. And next thing you know, TCU just rips the rips their heart out and just dangles in in front of them and laughs. Uh, but you're, you're, you end the season off against, uh, against Texas, well, the the third team out of your toughest stretch was uh already late in the season um uh, from a Baylor perspective but I, I like Texas to win this game and Quinn Ewers he struggled as of late but I mean Bijan Robinson he's just starting to pick up more of the slack and uh more than I mean he's more than made up for the lapse and the offensive production of the TCU game I think Bajon is going to be the main difference. Well, on top of that, you're going to also have the home home field advantage. Uh, I, I think Texas gets it done and puts all the pressure for K State to get it done against the Jayhawks on Saturday. Yeah, and I think I think we I want that pressure anyway because I want to beat KU no matter what happens. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, yeah. I don't like I, I don't want the beer to be like like this feeling in which oh okay Texas lost cool all right I guess Who the cares? showdown doesn't matter. We need to beat the crap out of KU. So um, there's not a whole lot else going on in the Big 12. West Virginia is playing Oklahoma State, you know, whatever. Some of these games aren't really that important besides our game, really, in terms of title implications. Oklahoma's playing Texas Tech. You know, that's, I mean, that should be a high-scoring game. What's the over-under on that game? Because that's got to be pretty high. 64? That's a that's. I'd take the over on that one. I just totally blacked out. You said Oklahoma State and West Virginia, right? Yeah, I'm, I said Oklahoma State, West Virginia. Then I was talking about Oklahoma, Texas Tech. Yeah, I just totally fine. No, you're good. I mean, and then the other, you know, the only other game that's really that important, Iowa State, TCU. Um, This is, I mean, I, Iowa State will t- probably give TCU some trouble in like the weirdest way possible. You know, Matt Campbell's, you know, he's got some stuff to prove to the Iowa State fan base. And uh, mm-hmm. so, you know, I think it'll probably be another classic TCU game where they'll just, you know, well, I think for well, I think for Iowa State at this point, the only thing Matt Campbell has to prove is that he's capable of letting go coaches because Tom <laughs> Manning, Tom Manning might be the worst offensive coordinator I have witnessed in a long time. I mean, we the Iowa State and Texas Tech game last week. I mean, there was two there were two times where Iowa State was at the goal line and they couldn't convert just running it up down running up pretty much running it up down the middle. I mean, it was just really bad. Uh, Xavier Hutchinson, I mean, he's pretty much the locomotive for this offense, uh, but he can't do everything on his own either. So, I mean, I I I think TCU's going to be a little bit more comfortable in this type of situation here. Maybe it's close, I don't know. Uh, I think Oklahoma State despite having so many health concerns i think they beat west virginia i do like eric green as a quarterback we'll see um if he stays stays around i'm just not seeing it with them because i think it's going to be neil brown's final game uh, as the head coach for west virginia and uh what what was it texas second oklahoma 
uh, for the last yeah. game, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think this one could be interesting. Um, Oklahoma, of course, they looked really good against Oklahoma State. Texas Tech won a nail-biter in Ames. Tip, history shows that you'd probably pick Oklahoma to win this game. Texas Tech hasn't beaten them since 2011. Uh, I don't know this time. I mean, I can't really make a pick because it, I mean, both teams like they have some, they have some strong, uh, they got some serious strengths uh, that can really benefit them, but they can also have some very costly weaknesses as well. But uh, just for the purposes and sakes of the, uh, of this podcast, I'm going to go with Texas Tech. I got to go with Texas Tech pulling off a win. I think uh, Taj Brooks is one is one of the deep running threats in the conference. Um, uh, Tyler So, uh, I think he, he'll get it going together. A little bit disappointed that we haven't seen Bear Morton as the quarterback. Well, well didn't he get injured? I against he TCU? Yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, he did. Against TCU. What are the odds? Yeah, no uh, way. But... <laughs> no ways. Uh, Hinato does it again. Uh, but anyways, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that could, that game could go either way, but I was yeah. just seeing Texas Tech. When it comes to Iowa State TCU, there will be some national talking heads who will say something stupid like, you know, TCU needs to make a statement here for the committee. Oh, oh who cares? You How play many... to win the game. Also, I mean, I was I was thinking we might not get into this because this will probably be a 20-minute tangent, but we could talk about some of the awful stuff Paul Feinbaum has been spewing again on first take talking about how nobody's going to be watching the big 12 championship and that somehow they're comparing them to Cincinnati as some sort of like Cinderella story because they just barely get, they just barely beat every team, even though they have the best, like out of like the top five teams in the country right now, they have the best strength of the best strength of record in the entire country. And they have a better strength of schedule than every other team that they're competing with in the top five. It is just unbelievable that these these people are spewing this just total BS. BS. It's just ESPN propaganda at this point. They're just completely getting a D-ride on the SEC. I mean, they're just, they just haven't been showing any love towards the Big 12. And, I mean, honestly, I, I don't know why there hasn't just been a lot more remorse for TCU. I mean, well, especially for when comparing TCU to the likes of Ohio State and Michigan. Michigan's only played Penn State, and they barely – Got out with a win over Illinois with Blake Corum being out. I mean, I understand Blake Corum, uh, but running back for Michigan, he was out. Big difference, but I mean, you, I mean, it's Illinois. Uh, it's not. It's not the likes of K State or Oklahoma State. It's Illinois. Uh, and then on top of that, you have Ohio State just sliding on by Maryland of all teams. I mean, it's just absolutely pathetic. Where we're having to give the Big Ten. Uh, as well so much so much credit despite the fact that the Big Ten West champion well soon to be Big Ten West champion lost to Iowa State early in the year the worst team of the Big 12 uh, and then uh, on top of that Nebraska's also in the Big Ten West I mean they just got their butts quirked by Oklahoma earlier this year as well I mean that's to the side uh, but it's this complete elitist propaganda that just bothers me i mean i mean i mean there's a lot of people that said this already if the tcu helmet consisted of the ou decal or the texas decal we would have the 
praising them. Like we'd just be saying, Oh, this Texas team is really good. I don't care if they're in the if they're in the Big 12, they just have the talent, they just have the weapons to do it. It's unbelievable. They got all the stars and all that stuff. You're not hearing that out of TCU uh and the well coached team that they are under Sony Dyke. So I think personally. I mean, when looking at some of the options for coach of the year, I think you might have to lean on Sony Dykes as well. I mean, you cannot tell me with 16 seconds to go, TC was able to get get out of there with that kick with that kicking situation more fluid than than not. I mean, it's just absolutely insane the way TCU just continues to win these games. And yes, like like you said, they have a more impressive resume. They've beaten many top 25 teams already. They've beaten they five beat, ranked teams. They beat eight number 18 Oklahoma. They beat Kansas and Lawrence when they were ranked. They beat Oklahoma State and K-State at home. I I I'm just sick of it, man. Well, well, on top of that, Stephen A. Smith has no 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 room to talk college football. Uh he thinks he knows everything, but overall he's just a, a He's just a prototype Alabama fan at this point uh, because Paul Feinbaum does nothing more than trying to drive a message <clears throat> that it's just all the SEC in Ohio State and Michigan, and that's all. And they're trying uh, to sneak S- USC in, too, if they get two ranked wins. Like, congratulations. They only have one, one ranked win, yeah. and it's against UCLA. And they lost to Utah as well. And U- Utah, I mean, Utah is all right, but... Uh, I mean, they get, I mean, perhaps maybe we'll see a little bit more acceptance of USC. They get Notre Dame this weekend. I mean, they'll get the Pac-12 champion. So, I mean, they'll likely be in uh, with, the, with the SEC championship happening with LSU and Georgia. One of those teams yeah. is going to get out. But, I mean, come on, guys. I mean, the, the, the media bias against TCU is just co- completely visible it- at this point. And for Paul Feinbaum to say something like that TCU is just a lower caliber team that can't compete with these top tier, you know, Georgia, Ohio State is just completely unbelievable. When, you know, Michigan has to kick a game winning field goal against Illinois, Ohio State had trouble against Northwestern, first of all. I mean, I know the weather conditions were terrible, but I mean, still, it's freaking Northwestern. They suck. And then, you know, Maryland gave them a ton of trouble too. Northwestern only has one win. And it's not even on American soil. <laughs> not even on American soil. They beat Nebraska and Ireland. Oh, uh, I mean, I mean, they barely escaped. Uh, they barely escaped with a win over yeah. Maryland as well. And then, uh, but it's just this type of stuff. Well, yeah, no, no. Man, Stephen A. Smith just comes out and says, oh, "I'm still not certain about TCU's <laughs> uh, schedule resume." Like, dude. They've done they've done jack jack crap way more than I don't know, but Michigan and Ohio State. Okay, John, let's put this into perspective here. Michigan's strength of schedule is 71st. Ohio State's strength of schedule, if I can find it, is um is 50th. Georgia who, you know, Georgia, they're in the SEC. I mean, they play Tennessee, oh, right? Mighty SEC. It just they played, they played some good teams. Their their strength of schedule is 24th. Okay. So remember, the high so 70, 51st, 24th. TCU, their strength of schedule, 13th. 
It's better than all of them. Well, on top of that, you want to talk about all these close games when we're not even talk, touching on Georgia either. I mean, they barely beat Missouri, and they barely beat Kent State. It's just unbelievable. It's, I mean, it's the same Missouri team that we completely dominated at home. I just oh I'm in Georgia barely beat Kentucky this week yeah. as well. Like sixteen. You 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 mustered sixteen points. All of these teams Kentucky. are vulnerable. There's not I mean, I think Joe Klatt talked a little bit about this. Um I was watching Club about there's not, you know, like a twenty nineteen LSU um like this but year. But here's the thing. ESPN and its propaganda machine, Paul Feinbaum, they're going to continue to rely on that message. Yeah. Like it, it may, the SEC may not have a powerhouses that say they did back in 2019 or 2020 with Alabama, but they're just going to put like the powerhouse, like the, the brand in first. That's why Texas is, I mean, Texas is six and four, seven and four, and they're in the top 25, not, not like nine and one coastal Carolina or something like that. I mean, it just, just to just to finish this conversation on my end, I mean, just the, the media perspective, it just it's just starting to make me question more about why Brett Yormark signed a deal with ESPN in the first place. Cause it is just it's pathetic. I mean, it, it I, I'm I'm at a tipping point. Uh I'm 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 honestly at a tipping point. And it's it's not going to get any better when OU and Texas leave, and I'll, yes, I'll tell you that much. It's going to get a lot worse. No, I mean, you'll, you'll well, you'll have them for two years, and and maybe they may build a little more clout uh, with the additional teams in there. But I mean, once one those two teams leave, the the money generators of the conference. I mean, it's. But I mean, to be fair, by the time that happens, the playoff will expand, and these yeah. these types of conversations will be very, very different. Well, um, well, well, the conversation then would change, is because then it'll be more instead of all right, who's going to get in? As all right, how many teams can this conference get in? Yeah, and seating specific seating as well. We'd probably because get you're gonna have, because you're going to have the SEC get three or four teams in there. While the I think they could get, I think they could get five, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Probably five. And then the next thing you know, the Big 12 is probably just going to have their automatic bid in there. And that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. I mean, I, I just don't know. I just don't know. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just college football is such a unique sport and how we decide a national champion because there's 131 teams. You know, in the NFL, there's 32. And you know, it's just, and you know, it's not like in the NFL where if you finish with the worst record, you get the number one overall pick. It's not like KU, you know, when they've sucked for 13 years, get the number one recruit every year, you know, college football is a sport where the rich get richer. And that's part of the reason why you see that bias towards those teams that, you know, Alabama will still get a ton of love in Texas. You know, even though they've sucked, they still get all the top recruits and have all the history and stuff. We'll get these rankings when they really don't, you know, truly deserve it when it's a lot tougher for other teams um, to get that type. And it's just, I mean, it's, it's just unbelievable. Uh, John, let's, let's do some volleyball and talk about what women's basketball doing before we um, lose our minds. Uh, So 
before uh, we had to visit many, many more cardiologists. Yeah, we have to. I almost had to. I almost had to visit, uh, one, twice, twice for tonight. BLSU match and then the volleyball match tonight. Yeah, this volleyball match was tense. Um, it was a five setter on senior night. Um, K State comes out on top in five sets, three to two. Um, this was a really back and forth kind of weird game where K-State takes the first set and then you look, you know, second set, you look really poor. You almost, you have it tied at 23 apiece in the third set, but you just can't get it done. And then you just dominate in the fourth set, 25, 13. I mean, they were just, could not be stopped. And then you come out into the fifth set when 15, 11 on an Elena Baca kill, you know, what a better way to, um, you know, for Atlanta Baca to, you know, play her last match, um, in Bramlage Coliseum and, you know, for, um, everybody actually to play their last match in Bramlage Coliseum. Cause they're going to be moving to the, um, new arena next year. But I mean, Elena Baca, I think she had a career high in blocks, 23 kills just played out of her mind. Yeah. I mean, for her six, I mean, she really turned the, turned things on later in the match. Um, 23 kills as mentioned um she also had 13 digs seven blocks um you also had fellow senior Haley warner get nine kills as well so um i mean they really stepped up when k-state needed them the most um i mean they got some they had some assistance from Aaliyah carter but it just came a little more uh as the match was going it just seemed a little more and more as if that she wasn't going to be the reason why k-state was going to get the win over Texas Tech. I mean, you just got to go with some of the players that are that are looking to kind of uh, uh, get the momentum. And, you know, Elena Baca, she was running in with a lot of momentum, and she she finished off the match really well. Yeah, I mean, she gets a double-double, you know, 23 kills, 13 digs. I think I mentioned it. I think um, I could be wrong, but she has a career high in blocks with six. Um, just played an amazing game. Um, the, with this game, we are guaranteed to finish above 500, which is something. You know, we're six and nine in the Big 12 right now. Um, you can correct me if I'm wrong, John, but I think I heard on the radio broadcast we were like 82 in the RPI coming into this game. Yeah. Um, Texas Tech, you know, they're 15 and uh, they were 15 and 12 coming into this game, so they're on a similar caliber uh, to K State. So probably won't move us up a ton of the RPI. Um, but just something there. Finished the season off on the road, um, at uh in, at Baylor. Excuse me on Saturday. So be if you get an upset there, that would be absolutely amazing. But I mean, what a way to finish off, you know, K State volleyball in Bramlage for the two years that it was there. Um, well, we also had a few matches that were that were played in Bramlage as well. Um, during non-conference season as well, especially when. ESPN started doing some more broadcasted games at uh at K State. They, we did some at Bramwich too. So, um, it it was it was a good environment. I mean, Bram Bram may have not been to, uh, may have not lived up to as much hype as Ahern Fieldhouse once did, but, um, we we can, um, uh, we can now focus on the new on well, get finish up with Baylor on Saturday, but. Um, get ready to welcome welcome a new era of K State volleyball with the uh, new arena. I think it should be looking pretty pretty dandy from what I've seen from some of the uh, re- renovations and well, render renderings and all that yeah. stuff. 
yeah, I think it'll look it'll look really nice. Um, it should and it should be a really fun environment as well. I think K State, you know, definitely deserves to have a type of arena like that. Um, you know, Gene Taylor's been just been killing it recently. Everything that happened, what's been happening at you know the Bill, um, every you know the new practice facility, the new uh strength training center, whatever it's called, um, just everything that's going on is just uh really great. Let's talk about women's basketball before we get out of here, John. They haven't had any games since we've talked about them, but they're playing in the Paradise Jam, the Virgin Islands, uh, tomorrow on Thanksgiving, or I guess um, today as you're probably listening to this, against Clemson, Northern Arizona, Arkansas, um, on those three days, back-to-back-to-back, um, so they don't get much of a Thanksgiving break. Um, but, I mean, you know, if you're going to spend Thanksgiving away from family, you know, you might as well be in the Virgin Islands. So that's not the worst place to be get a little bit of time off before they come back to Bramlage, but um, it's not a tournament style. We were talking about this before. It's a bit unfortunate that it's not like a tournament style thing. It's just a round Robin where it's set the teams you play, but I mean, man, John, the, you know, the men's basketball team is six and O the women's basketball team is five and O and we, I mean, we should definitely mention this. They're ranked in the top 25. So, I mean, it's a great time to be a wildcat. It is a great time to be a Wildcat. And, you know, looking at some of these teams, well, especially Clemson, because uh, they just um, they just kept off a visit from defending national champion South Carolina. And the game included a highlight of a South Carolina player throwing it down uh, with, with a dunk. They, they, I mean, they got completely drowned by South Carolina, 85 to 31. Woo. Um, so they're looking for a... Oh my gosh. Uh they're looking for a big win as well. But you know, K-State, they've been riding high lately. Just got off a big win, 91 to 82 win over Utah Tech. A game in which the score is not as close as it as it indicates. Uh, I mean Utah State just made a late run. Well, pretty much K-State was a gas, but I mean it should be some good stuff happening. Uh uh down in the uh, virgin islands for sure uh you also get northern arizona as well not too sure about them uh and then you get arkansas uh, as well so a good opportunity for k-state to remain unbeaten uh, obviously if you take care of clemson it should be it should be smooth sailing ahead um well arkansas is kind of on a win streak as well and i'm, I'm looking at it but uh, nonetheless, it, it it's gonna be fun, especially for the players. Like you mentioned, you don't you won't get any time back at home. But hey, I mean, why not spend the time instead of a ha- instead of a home uh, when you can be on a vacation? Yeah, I mean, it's not the worst place to spend your time. So um, let's go ahead and get out of here, John. It's pretty late when we're recording this, so uh, I'm I'm <laughs> I mean, we we we. For for y'all listening, I mean, for the uh, interview that we did with Boston, we, I mean, we stayed up really, really late. So. <laughs> we wanted it to be earlier, but the volleyball game went to five sets. So I was like, well, there's, there's not much I can do. Um, before we get out of here, obviously, uh, this is going to come out on Thanksgiving. So everybody have a safe and happy Thanksgiving. And we hope to see you all on Saturday at the KU That's game. True. That's right. That's right. Eat up on the turkey and then uh, save up uh, everything else because we got Jayhawk being on Saturday. Yeah, <laughs> it's and it's going to be a, a big roast. So uh, 
make sure <laughs> you got anything else to say, John? It's just going to be a lot of me for me to handle. My gosh. Yeah. Make sure, I mean, it's at seven. So you got all day to, you know, really just fast and uh, save your appetite for tonight or for That's that right. night. So. That's right. All Eat right. Well, mashed potatoes and gravy as well. That's 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 oh. some of the real stuff as oh, well. Oh yeah, that's that's the best stuff. Mm-hmm. So make sure you're following us on Twitter at Shake and Blake seven eight five. Leave a review if you're listening on Apple Podcast and Cats by ninety. Cats by ninety. Emo. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah,